You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today we continue our Homeward Bound series based on the book of First Peter. The message is entitled, How to Deal. How do we deal with the suffering that we encounter here on our Homeward Bound journey? Thanks for listening and I hope you enjoy. And we're going to continue our Homeward Bound series in First Peter. We're going to be in First Peter chapter 4 this morning and we're going to finish this chapter up and we're working on completing this series, completing this small epistle uh, by Peter. Most of you know he went to Honduras last week and this time last week me and uh, other members from this church and members from other churches, we gathered with another church in the mountains of Honduras and what an experience that was to be on the mountains and uh I'll be honest, I don't know how good the preaching was because I couldn't understand a word he was saying. I, I, I picked up Jesus and I picked up uh, Matthew. He was preaching from Matthew. I picked up some of the songs, but it was so great. And my heart was so blessed. I've never been on a mission trip before, but I, I have traveled before and I've seen how the rest of the world lives. And I can tell you, if I could do one thing, if I had all the resources in the world... I really, I mean this with all my heart. I don't mean it rudely, but I I really mean it genuinely. I would pay to take everybody there so every American could see how these other cultures live. Especially, especially I wish I could take prosperity preachers there. Because what I find when I go to these places, when I see these places, I see a people that love Jesus. Their faith is every bit as full as mine. Their education is every bit as much as mine. Yet they are living without the the pleasures of things we have here today. The houses I visited this week, I didn't see one bathtub. I didn't see one shower. Didn't see one washer, one dryer. Didn't see one sink inside the house. I didn't see a toilet inside the house. They have outhouses. I didn't see one refrigerator in the house. I didn't see anything other than concrete floors. I didn't see closets with new clothes. I didn't see uh, stacks of new shoes. I didn't see pantries full of, of, uh, of food and other stuff. But I'll tell you what, I didn't see anything else other than smiles on these people's faces. And I asked myself as I was thinking this last week, what, what is it about them? Because, you know, you take the position of the prosperity theology. Well, they must be doing something wrong because maybe they just wouldn't appreciate a refrigerator. I mean, after all, they could just claim it. Maybe they would uh, not appreciate a, a vehicle. I didn't see anybody have vehicles. I saw several little motorcycles, but no vehicles. And my thesis this morning is that these people that that I've visited and other people around the world, they've simply learned how to deal with the situation they're in. They've learned how to deal with what they have. And they're much like Paul says in in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, that he's learned to have plenty and he's learned to be abased and he's learned to be content in all things and he can do all things through Christ, which strengthens him. And that brings me to 1 Peter this morning. We've talked a great deal about uh, suffering and we've talked a great deal about things we, we encounter on our homeward bound journey. And it's great to know that, that we'll encounter suffering and it's great to 
know why we encounter suffering. But more importantly than that, I think what we need to be reminded of and what Peter's going to do in the verses we read today, he's going to tell these Roman believers, these exiles, and he's going to tell us today some practical steps for how to deal. How to deal whenever you encounter suffering. Be it suffering with sickness, be it suffering financially, being being it suffering with the loss of somebody close to you. Whatever it may be, what Peter says today explains to us how to deal with our present situation on our homeward bound journey. So I'm going to read the passage and then we'll, we'll dive into it a little bit deeper. But beginning in verse 12, 1 Peter 4 verse 12, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian... Let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. It's an awesome passage and several things I've highlighted. But right off of the beginning, I see truth number one. He tells them in verse 13, don't be surprised. It's no strange thing. Don't be surprised concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. How do we deal with suffering? How, how do we deal with whatever we may encounter? Well, first thing is not to be surprised. If Christ suffered, then we will suffer. When we encounter suffering, when we encounter hardships, we shouldn't be surprised in the least by it. You know why we shouldn't be surprised? Because whether you're here in America or you're down in Honduras or you're overseas in China, wherever you're at, if you're somewhere on the globe today, we are sinners living amongst sinners and we live in a fallen world. And until Christ returns, we're going to have to deal the best we can. And the first step in dealing is understanding. And I'll tell you, as fallen human beings, we instinctively ask all the wrong questions. Let me give you an example. You know, when, when I encounter suffering, whatever it may be, you know what the first questions that, that I ask and believers usually ask? Oh, Lord, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Or how about this? Why, why do good things happen to bad people? Or why, why me? Why me? Why, why are you picking on me, Lord? But really, for the believer... Question shouldn't be why me. Question should be why not me. What makes me so special that, that I would not encounter suffering? You think you're more special than Jesus Christ? Think about this. If the Apostle Paul called himself the chief of sinners, 
What right do we have to ask a holy God that question? Why me? I submit to you today, every person in this place, and even those impoverished like the Lincoln Indians I saw last week, at the end of the day, we are all sinners that have been blessed far more than we deserve. And even if we lose everything we have tonight, we are still blessed. You see, church, you'll never appreciate God's grace as amazing until you realize what a rotten rich you truly are. How do we deal? We, we don't be surprised at suffering. Don't get the idea you're immune from, from it. It's no strange thing that you would suffer. It's expected. In fact, I would even argue, especially coming back from Honduras this morning, I would argue we should think the opposite. We should think it a strange thing when we do not suffer. Why am I not suffering for my faith? It's no strange thing. So whatever you're dealing with today, let me tell you something. It's no strange thing. God's got a purpose for it. And then he goes on and he makes a surprising statement. Surprising to me, at least. In verse 13, he says, but rejoice. Don't think it's strange, but rejoice. To the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. To rejoice in suffering. Truth number two, rejoice in suffering. How in the world can Peter, how in the world can God Almighty, how can he expect me to rejoice in suffering? I mean, that just seems unreasonable. Then he explains it a little bit more. In verse well, the last part of verse 13, when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. For if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of, of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. What Peter is saying here, what he's saying here to these persecuted believers in Rome that as sure as they are partaking of Christ's suffering, they are also going to partake of His glory. When I was growing up, don't laugh at me, but one of my favorite shows when I was a little boy, I used to like that show, Orphan Annie. Y'all ever seen Annie? Annie, she, she was an orphan and she didn't have much and she got adopted, but she sung that song, The Sun Will Come Up Tomorrow. Because she was sure the sun will come up tomorrow. Well, church, let me tell you something. As Christians, whatever you're going through today, we have more than a sunrise to look forward to. Christ will come. Heaven awaits us. Just as Christ is in glory now, we will be with him as well. So whatever I'm dealing with, whatever you're dealing with, if you have Jesus, let me tell you, you can rejoice in the worst of circumstances because I know that nothing Nothing, absolutely nothing can prevent me from what is to come. We've got a home awaiting. There'll be no more cancer. There'll be no more COVID. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more poverty. There'll be no more division. There'll be no more curse. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians, and thus we shall be with the Lord always. I read those verses and I read this today and all I can say is whatever the Lord may put upon me or whatever may come upon me, I can take whatever it is ultimately with a smile on my face. 
Because like Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 17, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Praise the Lord. We can rejoice because we know it's only a little while. Down there in Honduras, I noticed the, the word Maranatha. We have a Sunday school class named that, and I, I just it kept confusing me because it's a word that I feel like after taking Greek and after almost two semesters of Hebrew, I should know this word, but I didn't recognize it. And I went and I researched it a little bit further, and I found out it's an Aramaic word, and it means come Lord. And this church, this church during Peter's day, they used to, Jewish believers used to say farewell by the word shalom, meaning peace. But they replaced that word with the word Maranatha because they were looking forward to the day when Christ would come. Come, Lord Jesus. And church, I'll tell you, when you when you realize this truth, when you realize that as soon, as sure as you'll partake of his suffering, you'll partake of his glory. Well, guess what? Even if you live 100 years in agonizing pain, it's but a moment in the span of eternity. Just a moment and we shall be with the Lord always. But guess what? I don't only have to wait. I've got something right here. Right here to help me deal. That's what he says in, in verse 14. Blessed are you for the spirit of God, of the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. The spirit of glory and of God is resting upon you. Don't you miss this this morning? How are those Lincolns able to smile in the midst of all circumstances? How are we able to smile? And I'm telling you this, church, God's Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Almighty God who created everything, who is in control of everything, the Spirit who inspired the work we're reading, the Spirit that Christ Himself promised has, is bestowed and rests upon us. Peter is telling these believers, he's saying, look, you're dealing with all kinds of threats, all kinds of persecution. But let me tell you something. Rome cannot kill you. Rome will not win. And I'm telling you the same thing today, church. Whatever you're dealing with today, nothing, nothing is going to have victory over us. Because like we sang a minute ago, we have victory in Jesus. While the world suffers, I don't want you to get the wrong idea this morning. I'm not suggesting that that you're suffering because of some sin you've committed, that God's singled you out and that's why you're suffering. We suffer for all sorts of reasons. But ultimately, it all comes down because we live in a fallen world because of sin. And while the world suffers because of sin, we have the promise of glory. And we have the promise of glory because of grace. And I believe it's for this reason that Peter wrote verse 15. It's an interesting verse. He says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. It's kind of funny, that word busybody. Murderer, a thief, evildoer, a busybody. What Peter is saying here. What he's saying is, look, you're going to suffer. We can't help that. But don't let sin be the reason for your suffering. 
That's truth number three. Don't let sin be the reason for your suffering. These believers, they, they were being murdered. They were being put on poles. They were being accused of, of fires and everything else. And Peter is saying here, don't retaliate. Don't go against them like that. Don't return sin for sin. It's so tempting. It was tempting for them. And it's tempting for us to return evil for evil. An eye for an eye. But sin is like a tiny little snowball that turns into a deadly avalanche. Sin is the reason for suffering, so don't participate in it. Don't run to the bottle. Don't run to comfort drugs. Run to the comforter. Run to the Word, not the world. Verse 16, he says this, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. It's interesting because the word Christian... It's only found three times in the entire Bible. And this is one of the three. You see, the early church, they didn't refer to themselves as Christians. The early church referred to themselves as believers. In Rome, they started using this as a derogatory term. One that, be, that belongs to Christ. One that's only part of Christ's kingdom. And Peter is saying, unlike Rome, this is not a disparaging term. Here we see Peter using it as an honorary term. It's an honor to be a Christian. Christ is our Lord and we desire for his kingdom. But we are not there yet. Just like this whole series we've been talking about. We're not, at the end of the day, ultimately we're not Americans. We'll be Americans for 80, maybe 100 years. But one day we'll be eternal citizens in heaven. And this is an important truth and a reminder in verses 17 through 18 is that this is not heaven. Verse 17, he says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Judgment has begun with us because we've accepted God's grace. God has bestowed His grace upon us. We're not home yet. We're homeward bound. And Peter, he quotes a proverb here. You see, the household of God has heaven to gain. But the ones who do not obey, or you might say the ones who have rejected the gospel, this is the only heaven they'll get. Think about that this morning. It's good to know as a believer, as a Christian, this is as close to hell as I will ever get. I said, it's not going to get any worse than this. I might get cancer. I might get some other disease. I might lose somebody close to me. But at the end of the day, this is as close to hell as I will ever get. Praise the Lord for that. But let me just tell you something. If you're here this morning and you're not a believer, if you're here this morning and you don't have Jesus, let me tell you, this is the only heaven you'll get. And I'm just going to be honest, especially after this last week, I'll tell you, we got it pretty good here in America. 
We've got running water. We've got hot water. We've got bathtubs. We've got cars. We've got motorcycles. We've got airplanes. We've got all kinds of great things. But let me just remind everyone in this place today, every possession you acquire will rot, and everyone you love, including yourself, will die. Your health will fail. Nothing here lasts forever. It's great to live in a country where I truly believe, truly, truly believe that, that anyone can achieve anything. And we're, we're in a place today, we've, we've removed racial barriers, we've removed barriers to women. And man, you can do a lot of stuff, but let me tell you, church, as good as it is, don't you forget this, this is not heaven yet, and you will take nothing with you. How do we deal with suffering? One of, the, one of the reasons we have such a hard time with suffering is because we've tried to make the idea that we could have heaven here on earth. And we get to the point where we don't understand why, why we can't have a $60,000 vehicle. This is supposed to be heaven right here. This is our best life now. There's nothing more to come. And I'm telling you, church, this is nothing, absolutely nothing, to be compared to the glory that's to be revealed and those that believe in Jesus as their Savior. How do we deal with suffering? We need to realize that this isn't heaven. This isn't home. Let go of the temporal and grab onto the eternal. And I love the, the conclusion of this thought in verse 19. Peter says, Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in doing good as to a faithful Creator. There's really no more to add to this line of thought than this. And that's truth number five. How do I deal with suffering? It's because He is faithful. In spite of the suffering, in spite of the pain, in spite of the evil, in spite of the sin, I can tell you, church, God is good. He is so, so very good. And we serve a God that loves us so much. You know, when you study apologetics, George Barna did a survey years ago. And he asked the question, if you could ask God one question and you knew that he would give you an answer, what would you ask him? And maybe it's surprising to you, maybe not, but overwhelmingly, the, the one question was, why do you allow pain and suffering? Nobody cared about how did you create the sun, moon, and stars, or what's your plan, or anything like that. Why do you allow pain and suffering? And let me just tell you, church, the answer is this. We serve a God that loves us so, so much that He has provided a way out for all pain, for all suffering. You want to know the, the cure for cancer this morning? I've got it. It's the blood of Jesus. You want to know the cure for poverty? I've got it. It's the blood of Jesus. You want to know the, the cure for depression? It's the blood of Jesus. You want to know the cure for death? It's the blood of Jesus. He's provided a path for us to be with Him in glory forever and ever and ever and ever. And I'm sorry to say that unless Christ comes back first, you're going to have to die to get there. 
But man, let me just tell you, maybe it's a good thing that we get busy dying, instead, dying for Him instead of living for us. We get what we don't deserve. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. It's grace given to us by Almighty God. He is so faithful, church. Let me just ask you this morning, can you attest to His faithfulness? Can you say that this morning? If everything that you love is gone and everyone that you love is gone, could you still find reason to rejoice in your suffering? Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope you've learned a little bit better how to deal with the suffering you may encounter on our journey home. I hope you won't be surprised by what you may encounter. I hope you'll be able to rejoice in suffering. I hope you'll, you won't let sin be the reason for suffering. I hope you'll remember that this isn't heaven. And I hope you remember that God is indeed faithful. Thanks for listening and I hope you have a great week.